My name is Anita Ward. My name is Scott Mounts. My name is Cindy Kinzer. I am an environmental consultant. I am a music teacher. I am a secretary. I gave my life to Christ in 1976. I gave my life to Christ in 2008. I gave my life to Christ when I was about eight years old. I've been at New Life since August of 2008. Since 2002. I've been at New Life for about 12 years. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in the Church of Christ of Christian Union. I grew up attending a Baptist church. My biggest challenge in my walk with Christ is taking him to work with me every day. The biggest challenge in my walk with Christ is sharing him with others. The biggest challenge in my walk with Christ is my daily Bible study. I am everybody. I am everybody. I am everybody. We're in a series uh, going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and so if you have a Bible with you this morning, let me invite you to take it and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're all the way to chapter 2. Woohoo! There you go. So turn with us to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, and probably even if you do, you'll want to reach inside your celebration folders and pull out this uh, white note page. It's got the main passage that we're going to look at together, as well as a bunch of other passages that we'll refer to, most of those on the back uh, that are right there. And so we can do that. I don't have any blanks for you to, to uh, fill in, but there uh, is some white space there. And the off chance that I would say something insightful, you can just kind of, you know, write it in there or in the margins or that kind of thing. Well, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where um, you've been sharing the gospel with someone. And, uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be a real openness on their part. They're, they're uh, disinterested, uninterested. Uh, generally, there's some sort of roadblock I found that's standing in the way. Maybe it was uh, some wounding in their life, uh, some hurt, uh, maybe baggage that they have with their experience with church or or maybe with another Christian, you know, who didn't represent Christ very well. Um, a lot of times there's intellectual issues. You know, they've bought the lies of the devil that, uh, you know, the things of Christianity don't fit. There's errors. They don't add up all of those kinds of things. A whole bunch of times it's just sheer will issues. You know, they don't want to bring themselves under the rule and reign of Christ, whatever it is. But these roadblocks are standing in the way. You're sharing and and they're not there. They're not getting it. They're not seeing the love of God for them uh, demonstrated in Christ's death for them on the cross. Well, what's going on there? I, I, I think Paul, the same writer who's writing here in 1 Corinthians 2, in the letter that follows this to the same people, I think he gives us an insight into that. If you want to look at that, it's the verse there at the top of your notes. This is from 2 Corinthians. Again, same writer, same people. Chapter 4, verse 4. Here's what Paul tells us is going on there. He says, the God of this age, the devil, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, the, the devil has blinded them. They can't see God for his love for them. They can't see 
the, the, the significance of what Jesus did for them on the cross. That, that's why prayer is such a significant part of evangelism. Because it's through prayer that we remove the roadblocks, that we remove the blinders so that they can see. Well, maybe you've had this experience as well. When you're there and, and you're sharing with this person, th- there comes that moment when you see the light come on in their eyes. You know, they, they, they start to get it. They, they recognize the condition of themselves before a holy God. And they realize God's love for them. And what an amazing thing this is that Jesus did for them in dying for them on the cross. And they understand this opportunity that is before them to exchange their unrighteousness for Jesus' righteousness. See, see, religion tells us you just need to do things to become more and more righteous. But that's not the message of Christianity at all, is it? The message of Christianity is we can't be, ever be righteous enough. So that's why we have to receive the righteousness that Jesus makes available to us by his shed blood on the cross, what we just sang about a little while ago. And so they realize this. They recognize this. The light comes on and they, they bow their knee to Jesus. They, they receive him as their savior, as their Lord. Well, what is that moment when the light comes on? I, I think it's the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit takes the truth of the word of God and he makes it clear to us. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit does, isn't it? He, he takes the truth of the Word of God and He makes it clear to us. Whether that's for the first time at our salvation, or whether that's long afterwards when, when we're just sitting and reading the Bible on our own, or we're listening to a message, or, or, or being taught a lesson from God's Word, the Holy Spirit takes the truth of the Word of God, and He makes it clear to us. Well, that's what Paul is talking about in this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we're going to look at this morning. Now, in your notes, I've put the whole passage there, and we're going to kind of flip back and forth and go from this to some of these other passages. So hang with me. You'll have to turn your page over a lot, but I think you can do it, right? So let's start into this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Paul says this, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had the rulers of that day understood this, of course they wouldn't have have crucified Jesus. But he says, verse 9, However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But... God has revealed it to us, how? 
by his spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit turns on the lights, as it were, and we get it. And we bow our knee to Jesus as our Savior in response to that. And then the Bible tells us that once we do that, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Look at these next verses if you flip your your sheet over. Paul, same writer to the same people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 22 says this, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You you know what a deposit is. It's something that you put down to to make sure that you're going to bring the rental car back or or that bike that you're renting at the beach, that you're going to return it. See, God put his spirit, his Holy Spirit inside of us, living inside of us as a deposit, as a guarantee that we are going to be with him forever. Paul states it again to these Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit, He's living in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You see, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, continues this work of illumination, of revelation, of making the things of the Word of God clear to us. And so Paul goes on back to our passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, partway through verse 10 where we dropped off. He says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him. And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We've not received the spirit of the world, small s, but the spirit, capital S, the spirit who is from God, here's the key, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And this is what we speak not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by who? By the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The Holy Spirit living inside of us, making clear the truths of the Word of God and the things of the way of God to us. You know, it's kind of like in that movie Avatar. You know that that long USB cable of a thing they had running out of their heads. You know what I'm talking about? They would, um, they would climb on their horse or, or on the thing they were flying. And you know how they had hooked that thing together? You the only people in the world didn't see Avatar in here? <laughs> that, that, that hooked that I don't know, USB cable fits for me. I don't know what it is, but they had hooked that thing together. And there was this this fusing of their wills, this connecting 
of their spirits. You know, there's, there's that famous scene in the movie where he goes up to the, 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 I don't know, the big main blue guy. I don't know what his name was, but he goes up and he, he's gonna, I should be more prepared, shouldn't I? They, um, he's got that bird thing and he's, he's wrestling it to the ground and he said, hurry and, you know, hook up, connect, do that thing. And, and he does. And, and you see his eye open. See, there's this, this bonding that took place between the master and the creature. See, that's what Paul is saying, although he didn't see Avatar. That's what Paul is saying <laughs> happens with us. The Holy Spirit, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He, he resides in us, and there's this bonding, there's this connection between us, between our spirit and God's spirit, so that the ways of God become clearer to us. Now, I want you to notice that in this passage, what Paul is talking about is becoming mature. I mean, we see that way back up at the top of this passage, verse 6, where Paul says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the what? The mature. He's talking about spiritual maturity. And I think here's where Christians a lot of times have misunderstood what's going on here. Because somewhere along the way, for a lot of us, Christians began to equate maturity with knowledge. The idea kind of goes like this. If, if I just know a lot about the Bible, that makes me a mature Christian. And can I tell you, that's just not true. It's not what the Word of God teaches. And it's certainly not what Paul is teaching here. In fact, if you want to know what spiritual maturity is, Christian maturity is, I think Paul tells us at the end of this passage, verse 16, look down there with me. He says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have, and here's the phrase you may want to circle, we have the mind of Christ. You see, that's what real spiritual maturity is. It's having the mind of Christ. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, but, but what's that really mean? Well, I, I think this is what it means. It means that we think, isn't that what you do with your mind? <laughs> We think like Jesus. But I think it's even more than that. It's that, that, that we have Jesus' act. attitude should be, here, here's the key, the same as that of Christ Jesus. Paul says, your attitude should be like Jesus's attitude is. 
In fact, in these next verses, he goes on to tell the Philippians and to tell us what that looks like. He says, verse 6, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to be held on to. But instead, he made himself nothing. And taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Do you understand what Paul is saying there? I mean, Jesus, who who existed with God from eternity past. I mean, you understand Jesus didn't start at Christmas, right? Jesus, who was with God the Father from all eternity past, looked down and realizing, understanding our nature, that we needed a Savior. He did not cling to the to the benefits of being God in all of eternity. He instead set that aside for us. And he took on the limitations of not being the creator, but took on the limitations of being the created. He was born a human. And he lived as a servant. He humbled himself and was obedient all the way to the de- to his death on the cross. Jesus did that for us. Jesus put us ahead of his own comfort, his own situation, his own reality. That's the example of Jesus. And Paul says that needs to be the example of us. The mind of Christ. In fact, if you carry a King James Version Bible, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, the the verse that in the NIV says, your attitude should be the same as Christ. Look, Look, in the King James, it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We need to have the mind of Christ. His, see, spiritual maturity means that we, we act and we think like Jesus. We have compassion like Jesus does. We, we have his vision that the things that are, are important to Jesus becomes the things that are important to us. That the things that break Jesus' heart becomes the things that break our heart. That the way Jesus sees people becomes the way we see people. You know, we live in a world that mostly looks at people as um, landscape or as commodities. You know, we, we just see people, they're just kind of out there. We just, we don't notice them any more than furniture or shrubs or trees or, or a lot of times the people we do notice are, we just see them as things to use to get what we want. Lord Jesus, help me, help me see people the way you do. I think one of the reasons why a lot of times non-Christians look at Christians the way they do 
is because those of us who name the name of Christ see people who disagree with us as opponents rather than as people that Jesus loves and he died for. So we pray, Jesus, let me have your mind. Let me have your eyes. Let me have your attitude. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul says this, he says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. See, that's the goal. To have Jesus formed in us. To become like Jesus. To have his eye, his attitude, his perspective, his actions. And spiritual maturity, that's what it is. It's being like Jesus. It's having the mind of Christ. And so this is what the Holy Spirit does. He he illuminates the word of God. He fuses our spirit with God's spirit so that we become like Jesus. John Piper put it this way. He says, the word of God in the hands of the spirit of God awakens day by day who you are in Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. He's living inside of us if you've bowed your knee to him as Savior. And he's working to make us like Jesus. Well, Paul wraps up the chapter. Just a few more verses here. And in these last three verses, he contrasts the Christian with the non-Christian. Listen to what he says here. Verse 14, back to 1 Corinthians 2. He says... The man without the Spirit. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about unbelievers, right? Non-Christians. Because if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, right? So he says the non-believer, the person without the Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he can't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. But the spiritual man, he's talking about the Christian here, he makes judgments about all things. But he himself isn't subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. In verse 14, Paul says, the non-Christian spiritual things don't make sense to them. But he says, but that makes sense, really, because they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to illuminate things. So the non-Christian looks at spiritual things and says, I I don't get that. I mean, why in the world would someone give up the, the comforts of America to go serve in some incredibly inhospitable places in the world, on the mission field. I mean, why in the world would somebody do that? Or in a lookout for number one world, why in the world would would, would people choose to put other people ahead of themselves? Why? I mean, why in the world would people give up vacation time? To go on a short-term mission trip where they work you like dogs. I mean, if you've ever been on a short-term mission trip, listen, it's not vacation. You need to know that. 
I mean, why would people do that? I mean, why would someone give up their Wednesday night at home to come up here and work with children during Awana to be a, an Awana leader? I don't know if you've ever been around here on a Wednesday night, but it's crazy. There's kids everywhere and a week ago, the leaders all had stickers on their faces, and I thought, those people must love Jesus. I, 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 I mean, why would you do that? It's only one reason. It's because you have the mind of Christ. Non-Christian looks, and they don't get that. You know, by the way, you can be a Christian and still not get it either. It's because you've so pressed down the Holy Spirit's voice in your life that you don't hear it anymore. Paul talks about that in chapter 3 as we turn the corner next weekend. He talks about that we can even be a Christian and become so worldly, so carnal, that we've lost sight of the mind of Christ as well. Then in verse 15 and 16, Paul talks about the Christian and he says, the, two, the true Christian thinks differently because he or she has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, making things clear, illuminating the things of God and His Word. Well, let me, let me start to wrap things up. Give me a, a few minutes here because I think it's real easy to hear a message like this and kind of go, okay, that's good. You know, we... We've got the Holy Spirit living in us and he's illuminating the word of God to us because he wants us to have the mind of Christ. Hey, that's that's man, that's good stuff. Let's go eat lunch. (laughs) But I think there's some value in maybe taking this just a step further. Because I think the real question in response to this passage is this. So how close are you to really having the mind of Christ? See, that's the end goal. That's why the Holy Spirit does these things in us. How close are you to really having the mind of Christ? Um, Let me try to explain it. Let me Here, I'm going to give you this illustration that you'll think that makes no sense. It doesn't even fit, and then I'll explain it later on. My mind works. You you picked that up already with the avatar thing. Okay, so. (laughs) Talking to one of um, our small group leaders recently. I do that a lot. It's a lot of my week. And I was talking with him about some conflict that they had going on in their small group. And uh, as we're talking, I said to him, you know, I did a two-week series back in November on conflict that I think had some real practical things in there that fits your situation. And he said, oh, yeah, that was great stuff. I really enjoyed listening to it. And then he went on to talk about his problems there and his conflict. So here's what I did. I mean, basically, in the conversation that we had, I just told him the exact things that I had said in this message series over a couple of weekends And the whole time he's going, oh, that's really good stuff. Yeah, you know, oh, man, yeah, that fits. I see that. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. I'm going to say that kind of thing like that. And then we finished and went back. And as I was kind of thinking back on that, what I thought is, you know, there's a difference between hearing something and really knowing it, right? And really there's a difference between knowing something 
and really understanding it. And you know, there's a difference even between understanding it and doing it. And for the sake of this purpose, I'd say there's even a difference between doing it and really having the mind of Christ. And so here's what, here's what I want to ask you to do in these next few minutes is to just kind of let me walk through that little grid. It's at the bottom of your um, message notes there on the back of page two. Because on this question of how close am I to really having the mind of Christ, maybe a better way to look at this would be this. If I don't have the mind of Christ, if I'm not as close as I want to be, where's the breakdown happening for me? And so let me kind of walk you through this. And what I'd like you to do is, there you have your notes. If you kind of are saying, you know what, I think that is where the breakdown is for me, just circle it. I mean, you don't have to hand it in at the end of the hour or anything like that. Just You don't have to show it to your neighbor. Just for the sake of identifying, hey, maybe that's where the breakdown's happening for me. For some of us, maybe the breakdown's happening at the hearing stage. You know, the question I'd ask you is, how consistent are you at hearing the Word of God? I mean, some of us, you know, we, we come to celebrations, you know, when, when, you know, when Jupiter and Mars align and everything's right, you know, and so we're here a week, then we're not here a week, then we're here two weeks, and we're not here three weeks, and then we're here two weeks and not the next two, and then the next one. And, and you know, when, if everything works out right, I'm here. But if not, see, there's, there's, not, there's no consistency in hearing the Word of God. Or, or, or maybe, are, are you availing yourself of the situations to really hear the Word of God in ways that you need to? I was talking with someone recently, and they were kind of griping to me about um, this, this answer. I mean, and, and I never understood why when, when people aren't where they want to be spiritually, it's my fault or the church's fault. I don't, I've never really understood that, but I, I guess I tend to do it too. So they were kind of griping to me in a nice, polite way. And, and I said to them, well, are you, are you taking advantage of these situations that we have around here to help you hear the Word of God, you know, this class and these things and, 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 and so forth. And as I went through, they weren't doing any of them. And, and, and my point here is not legalism. It's not... Um, Well, I'm sure a lot of you are here thinking, thinking no, I, I got that. I'm fine. Well, let's, let's move it to the next level. Maybe the breakdown for you is happening at the knowing level. And what I'd ask you is, you know, are you reading God's word on your own during the week? Or are you just depending upon one 35, 40 minute sermon once a week to sustain you? Listen, if you only eat once a week, I don't care how good it is, you're going to be malnourished, right? 
And, and the same is true with God's word. Maybe, maybe the breakdown for you is you need to build that habit in your life. Again, this isn't about legalism. This is about trying to take the steps to build the habit in your life to be reading God's word on your own during the week so that you can know God's word. You know, are you putting yourself in a place where you're discussing God's word and, and talking about it with each other like a small group? Where you're discussing, hey, here's, here's what it says. Here's what I understand. And you're asking, how do we help each other put this into practice? Are you, are you putting yourself in those situations so that you know God's word? Maybe that's where the breakdown is happening for you. A lot of you are thinking, no, I, I, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm in a small group. I, I'm reading God's word. Again, not, it's not about being perfect, but that habit's happening in your life. Maybe for you, the breakdown comes at that next level, at understanding. And to you, I'd ask you, you know, do you have a spiritual partner? Um, we talk about that habit number three around here. Find one or two people of your same gender and, you know, get together with them at least once a month, maybe a couple times a month, maybe once a week for the purpose of helping each other grow, helping each other really grasp and understand what God has for you. Now, when I talk to people about habit three, Here's where I think it messes up for them. And see if you can identify with me. A lot of people that I talk to, they don't ever get there because they have this weird mentor kind of Yoda thing going on. And it's kind of like, well, I can't be in one of those because I'm not Yoda enough to teach someone else in the ways. And and no one's willing to do that with me and 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 they you know it's like because they don't have this here grasp the pebbles from my hand kind of relationship see they they just never they never get started see and we we've bought this idea from the devil i think that we can only understand the word of god if we have some big spiritual mentor to teach it to us listen we have the spirit of god living inside of us we have the Word of God before us, and we need to learn how to help mentor each other around the Word of God. I have a friend, Neil, who's a church planner in California, and Neil has planted churches from reaching what I would call seriously lost people. I mean, people who don't want to be in a church for a wedding or a funeral people. And these people get saved. And here's what they do. They put them in little groups of three and they read massive sections of the word of God and then they get together once a week and they say, so what did God show you in that? And it's amazing how much they understand, how much they begin to grasp if we'll just mentor each other around the word of God. Maybe that's where the breakdown is happening for you at that understanding level. Maybe for you, <coughs> it's at the doing level. You know, in your notes, you might, beside that word, want to write the word belief level. Because really, what we believe is what we do. Is that right? I mean, I claim to believe stuff all the time, but what you believe is really what you do. Maybe for you, that's where it's breaking down. And what I would say is what you need to have in your life is accountability. You'll never have that level 
of obedience without accountability. I'm not talking about weird, goofy, legalistic accountability. You just need to have people in your life who talk to you about serious things, who have the relationship with you to push you in areas, who have the relationship to say to you, hey, I heard what you just said there. Can we, can we talk about that a little bit more? What's going on with you? You know, who have permission to speak into your lives in ways to recognize the blind spots. See, see, we all need that because we have this incredible ability to deceive ourselves. See, if you live accountable to no one but yourself, you're going to find yourself all the time getting yourself into situations that you had no business being in because we're so good at deceiving ourselves. And the reason why in Christianity we have scandals like the Ted Haggard thing and the Jimmy Swaggart thing and the Jim Baker thing and on and on and on and on is because we buy this lie from the devil that you get spiritually mature enough that you don't need accountability anymore. And nothing could be further from the truth. And maybe that's where the breakdown is happening for you. But there's a goal even beyond that, isn't it? Even beyond the being obedient to Christ, it's the goal of having the mind of Christ. Of thinking like Jesus. Of having his eyes, his actions, his attitudes. And so here's the question. Do you look like Jesus? And if not... What are the steps you're going to take to change that? See, we're all on this journey. And sometimes the journey, you know, we fall back and we're all on this journey. This is just the question. We're moving towards wanting to have the mind of Christ. And if we don't, recognize where the breakdowns are coming. And then... This week, put yourself, take the steps to kind of see those breakdowns eliminated. See, the Holy Spirit, that's what he wants to do in us, in our lives. He wants to make us like Jesus. He wants to give us the mind of Christ. Well, let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I would... Just ask that you speak to each of us right now. And don't let us settle for less than wanting the mind of Christ. And God, I I would just pray very personally right now that for each of us, not some guilt-driven thing here. But just uh, out of our desire to, to, to wanting to be like you, Jesus, help us to, to see the spots, to see the areas, to see the, the things we need to do, not for some legalistic purpose to check things off on our list, but for the goal to have your eyes, Jesus, 
your heart to think like you, Jesus. Help us do that this week. For your glory, we pray. Amen.